Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It is another episode of the Bunker Boys. Um, as always, it's George and Slay here with you. Absolutely just wild weekend uh, from start to finish at the Players' Championship down in Jacksonville, Florida at the TPC Sawgrass Course. Um, I texted Slade uh, Thursday morning. I, I woke up. I set my alarm. I never wake up early for work, uh, but I got my ass up at 645. Thursday morning, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this. I'm gonna get a couple holes in and watch before I have to go to work. Wake up, I turn it on. I'm like, why the fuck isn't it popping up on my screen? Like it just says your event will start soon. And seven o'clock rolls around. I'm like, dude, what is going on? Finally, I pull up the PGA app, and it's like, oh yeah, it's been delayed an hour. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> so I, I go get ready for work, and I come back, and I watch like I everybody tee off, and then like the first two holes, and then I had to leave. Um, so yeah, j- from the start, I mean, they, they knew the weather was going to be bad this week. Um, they, they cut all the practice rounds short on Wednesday. Yeah. Heavy storms all night in the Thursday morning. Um, yeah, we got a little, little action in Thursday. Um, but yeah, just horrible weather both days. Uh, Thursday, I believe they played until about like 1030, I want to say. Uh, and then they had to put it on pause because of the storms again. I think they picked back up around 3.30 and got as much in of the first round as they could. Um, and Friday, uh, did they even start Friday? I, can't, I feel like, I think they did. Um, I think it was delayed yeah, I again. Think they started, I think they started late again, yeah. Yeah, I know it was delayed. I think they only got, they almost got the first round done for some of the guys. But then um, the heavy storms came in and the rest of Thursday was, or excuse me, the rest of Friday was shut down. Um, you know, we had Max Homa just chilling on his, on his porch, eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh, we saw Rory McIlroy leaving with his kids to go watch Frozen <laughs> in, uh, in Disney, he said. Um, so yeah, just horrible weather Friday and Saturday. And th- this is the only thing I want to say, well, two things I want to say real quick is, one is the grounds crew at TPC Sawgrass, I don't think got enough credit for what they did this weekend. Um, I saw some of the, like, before and after pictures from, like, you know, when they finally let the players go out there and play. That course was in horrible condition. And they were out there. They were able to go out there and get it ready uh, to at least be somewhat playable. Um, they worked their asses off this week, um, especially with everything. All the rounds starting to run together on Saturday, Sunday, and even Monday. Um, having to run out there in between rounds real quick and move holes. Uh, just, can't say enough about that for them. Uh, they did a, an amazing job. Um but real quick, all I want to say about, like, when weather starts, so I think my biggest problem, I think Jordan Spieth teed off on 17, and he was going up to, like, hit his putt or whatever, and in the middle of the hole, it started lightning, and they, so they had to pause the round. When they restarted the round, he just picked, I, I really think that whenever they have to pause in the middle of a hole, that you should be able to restart when, whenever the, the play picks back up, like. It would throw me off so much if I was just like, yep, okay, I'm, I'm getting ready to putt, and then I have to go out there, pause for two or three hours, and then come back and try and putt again. I would really, that's the only major complaint I have from this weekend, is just, if I'm in the middle of the hole, let me restart the hole. Um, then again, when he picked up on Saturday, <laughs> the 30-man-hour gusts were going on. I don't know if I would have wanted to, uh, to restart there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, any other time, I think I'd agree with you, but on that yeah. day, I think I'd, I'd want to start from <laughs> the putting green yeah um yeah saturday was wild too 
probably the everybody like the worst weather came through Thursday and Friday storm wise, but Saturday's weather was ridiculous. Uh, wind gusts were up into the high thirties, and the temperatures started off in the low thirties. There's guys out there playing in beanies and heavy coats. I, that is something I never thought I would see, let alone in Florida in March. Um, yeah, and I was doing some housework, and you had texted me, and you're like, dude. Watch hole seventeen right now. I was like, "Why? What's going on?" And you're like, "I think only like three guys had made or hit the green at that point. Everybody else is just going in the water." And I I turned it on, and the next I think like ten guys I watched, two out of the ten made it onto the green. Um, the wind was just so ridiculous. It was just blowing everybody's like they would adjust for the wind, and either the wind would die at the exact wrong time, or it would just pick up like crazy and blow their ball the whole way across the course. Um. That was just one of the most wild things I think I've seen in the in a long time uh, watching golf. Um, there was yeah, only like, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, and uh, like you had said, I mean, if like two out of the ten guys teeing off are are making it, the other eight they weren't even getting mad about it. They're like oh, laughing, yeah. like making fun of one another, like because <laughs> the yeah. wind was going, like you said, it's going twenty thirty mile an hour left for the for like Jordan Spieth, and then the next person. It's going to the right, and then the next one's straight back at him. Like, there was yeah. no chance for a lot of them. Yeah, like, you, you had Brooks Kepka, who always struggles at the 17th hole. But, I mean, at this point, he just accepts it. But with everything going on Saturday, he was like, what What am I going to do about this? And, you know, like you said, he was just laughing his ass off at, at how his round was going. Um, yeah, we had Royal McElroy, or excuse me, Rory McElroy come out, and he was like, I hit a 9-iron, like, 165 yards, and I hit my 3-wood, like fifty-five yards. He's like, I... Mm-hmm. It was just, it was so back and forth all day. Um, we had everybody, you know, having that. I think it was, I can't think of his name now. Um, maybe it was Keegan Bradley. He hit a nine iron like 130 yards. And then uh, like two holes later, he hit his nine iron 250 yards thanks to the wind. And like it <laughs> it just rolled that far because of the wind. Um, Xander Schauffele, I think, had the hardest time with it. He was tied for ninth at one point. I think he was coming into. S- 16 and he dropped all the way down to uh being tied for 90th in just two holes um <laughs> throughout the day on saturday there was on hole 17 there were only two birdies and 34 pars uh the other 24 players uh made bogey or worse i think there was like six guys that made uh triple bogey or worse <laughs> um I think it was Craig Kinzer got interviewed after the round, and they're like, "What do you think a, a like a plus ten handicap would have shot today?" And he goes, "They wanted to have finished." He's like, "They they wanted to even finish the hole. They would have had to pick up and leave." Which I, I yeah yeah. Um, see, I was thinking about this. See, on sixteen and seventeen, I would have been screwed because I sliced right. Sixteen, the water runs down the right side. Seventeen is just all water. But eighteen, I think I would have been fine because of that yeah. slice right. But again, my luck, the wind would have kicked super hard left and then pushed it out in the middle of the water on 18. Um, but yeah. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on the, on the, the weather and the, the whole weekend leading up to Sunday and Monday? Yeah. I mean, like you had mentioned with Brooks Kepka, he, he had a great uh, mentality, especially on Saturday when it came to the wind and everything. I think that uh, like you had seen on the set hole 17, you had said about 34 pars and 24 making bogey or worse. I think that, it was much easier weather-wise as the day went on on Saturday. But early for, like like we had talked about, like the first 15, 20 guys that teed off there, it was just ridiculous wins. And it was 
you didn't know which way it was going to be going when you were teeing off, you know. Um, I saw Adam Scott hit a ball in 18, and it they're like, oh, this is the this is the best shot that's been hit all day here. And then a gust of wind just threw it off to the left <laughs> into the water. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was, I mean, it, it's nice to see these guys, like, I mean, it's always good to see them struggle, but like, okay, yeah, all right, golf really is this hard. Um, but at the same time, like you said, like with how harsh the, the environment was on, on Saturday, that they're just like, there's not much we can do with this. Like, we just go out there and play the best we can. And then, out of nowhere, uh, we have freaking Justin Thomas somehow shooting a bogey free around. Um, he was joking afterwards, and everybody's like, how the hell did you, like, did you sell your soul, or like, what the hell did you do to do that? And he's like, I, I don't know, I blacked out. He's like, I don't remember it. <laughs> um, it just, it was absolutely absurd. The crazy thing is that this is the biggest purse that they play for all year, and that's yeah. the weather they got, and everyone's mentality was still great throughout it, you know? Yeah, oh my, it was so great. It was like, I knew the purses were huge, but it was yeah. it was crazy. Um, I guess it was Bradley who finished, or no, sorry, it was Paul Casey who finished third, and his chip, like, just missed the hole. And it cost him basically eight hundred thousand dollars. I was like, "Wait, what the fuck?" <laughs> it's like, "Good yeah. God!" Um, yeah, just absurd. Uh, real quick, let's—I will go over the top five here. Um, so Cameron Smith was your winner. A uh, huge win for him. Just played ridiculously good on Monday. Um, only had three bogeys, and they were one, seven, eight, nine, and that's how he finished his front nine. After that, um, I think he made one par, and everything else was a birdie or two ten par, birdies. Yeah. So um, absurd and great round from him. Uh, we had Anir Ban, uh, Lahari, excuse me if I'm saying that wrong. Uh, he went 12 under to finish second. Uh, really came out of nowhere. Um, was sneaky on Saturday, uh, finishing up his second round. Uh, the third round, he was just really, really good. Um, just wasn't able to close it out on you know, Monday. Uh, but great to see him play as well as he did. Uh, should be fun to see him on the tour. Some more coming up. Paul Casey uh, looked like he was gonna, you know, challenge a little bit more for the win. Uh, finished two back at eleven under. Um, was tied for lead. I think he had the solo lead for one or two holes there. Um, just wasn't able to close it out. Uh, Kevin Kinzer finishes ten under. Uh, great round from him. Great finish for him. Uh, Keegan Bradley, uh, another one, a former major winner. Um, was sneaking up there, was hanging around a little bit, uh, just not able to get any closer. Uh, I think Victor Hovland finished tied for sixth. Um, again, his name was up there in the top of the leaderboard. I know he had the lead, I think, for just one hole, but um, just struggles down the end there. I think it was, I don't know if it was eight, 16 or 18, he put the ball in the water, and that kind of just, you can just see it. Like, again, like the last uh, two weeks ago, I think, um, once he realized, like, shit, that was, that was my opportunity just, the body language shifted, um, and he just didn't bounce back from that. Uh, so that is your top five. Um, yeah, just wild <laughs> Saturday. Uh, Slater will tell us a little bit about who missed the cut uh, on Sunday morning of all the days. Not Friday night. Sunday morning, we had to figure out who would miss the cut. <laughs> so uh, the second round was finished on Sunday morning, like you said, sending a lot of big names home. Uh, missing the cut was Zach Johnson. Brooks Kepka, Xander Shoffley, Jordan Spaeth, Colin Morikawa, and Patrick Cantley. It was really uh, surprising to see all those big, name, big names, but also 
seeing the weather the previous days, it wasn't all that surprising to think that some of those guys weren't going to make it. Yeah, um, uh, it, it's weird. That, like, the past couple of weeks have been like, man, if Colin would have played against Rom the last couple of weeks, like, we think he would have become their world number one. And then they yeah. both go out there, and, and Rom was able to handle the conditions a lot better. Uh, I'd definitely say Morikawa got the short end of the stick with his, um, you know, the environment he had to play in. But again, it's 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 nice to see these human beings have to play golf like human beings once in a while. Morikawa just could not get anything going right for him. Um, I think that was probably the worst round of golf or two rounds of golf I think he's ever played. And I think he'd agree with that. But um, he, he'll definitely be back. Obviously, he's he's one of the best in the world. Um, it's tough to overcome those you know those factors, but uh, I, th- I think going forward this year, I honestly expect him to win another major this year. Uh, and once we get into the summer here and pick up, I think he's going to win it at least two tournaments and, and, like I said, a major two. Yeah, uh, like you said, definitely a surprising score for him. But, uh, I yeah, I just it definitely goes into, like, what tournaments they're playing for the year and stuff. Like you had said, we had talked about he could have played the last couple of weeks and he could easily be number one in the world right now, you'd think, mm-hmm. you know? But uh, just a bad weather week for him to play uh the third round was almost able to be wrapped up but the conclusion would be pushed back to monday where the tour pushed it very hard to make the final round in as well yeah i had texted you i, I guess it was sunday night um after the round I, I texted you i was like i don't think there's any way that they got that they, they would be able to get the end of the third round and all of the the final round in just as the way that the weekend had gone and all this other stuff um, I I legitimately thought there was no way that they were going to get that done, but they did. Um, you know, great job by the tour and all the players to be able to you know push through. I know it sucks having to play so much back to back. Um, I know a lot of fans were complaining about it, and I don't know how the how you know the players felt. Um, but I know in general it just sucks. But it was awesome that that they were able to to push through and get that in uh, to finish up Monday. I really hope. Uh, I know they made a big push to get this tournament put back into March. Uh, <laughs> after this past weekend, I think it's safe to put it back, and I think it was April, um, April or May. So let's let's just put it back there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but then again, it's Florida. I don't think it matters what time of year you have it. You're gonna have ridiculous weather uh, unless you do it in the winter. But um, yeah, that was just crazy to see. But again, huge win for Cameron Smith. Um, you know, great for him to get. I think he has, he had one win in his first like hundred starts on the tour, and in his last fifty starts, he has four wins now. Um, so great to see him playing so well. Um, that's all, um, that we have on the Players Championship. I mean, we could sit here and, and just go back and forth about the weather all weekend. Um, but let's did you see in. the? Did go you ahead. see the cool part with uh, Cameron Smith in that? That was the first time he saw his family in two years because of COVID regulations and yes. all. Yeah, Australia. that was that was Australia. awesome to see. Um, obviously, it's it's not fun being so far away from your family for so long. So it's great to see them finally be able to be together and for him to win in front of them. Uh, yeah, his mom and his sister, and I think one of his his old schoolmates were there. Um, so it was great to see them be there for the win and see their reaction to it. Um, the last thing, actually, I'll save it for it's our term of the week. Um, so I'll, I'll save my comments for that. Slater knows what yeah. I'm going to talk about because I texted him last night about it. Um, so yeah, let's update you on the FedEx, FedEx Cup Top 10 after 
the Players' Championship and headed into the Valspar Championship. Uh, we have Max Homa now in 10th place with 808 points. I'll say this, Max is quickly becoming one of my favorite players to watch on the tour. Um, he's a lot of fun on social media, and I really like his playing style, and he's a really solid player. Um, I really enjoy watching him, so yeah, he's quickly becoming one of my favorites. Uh, ninth is Joaquin Neiman, another guy who struggled most of the weekend, but was able to pull something together Saturday to get him uh, into the final rounds. Uh, Sam Burns is now 8th. Sung J M is in 7th. Uh, excuse me, Joaquin Neiman has 700... I didn't update his points. Uh, <laughs> Sam Burns has 890 points. Sung J M has 946. Victor Hovland is in 6th place now uh, with 1,006 points. Taylor Gooch is in 5th with 1,093 points. Uh, Tom Hodge is in 4th with 1,162 points. Hideki Matsuyama uh, now has 1,321 points. Uh, he's in 3rd. Um, tough to see him have to withdraw from this tournament. He said he was having a lot of back pain. Um, I texted you, or Slade sent me this TikTok a little over a week ago. Um, and this guy was talking about like his locks for the week, betting-wise, and he's like, uh, Hideki Matsuyama to finish in the top 10 was like plus 150. And he's like, this, like, put your money in, this is a lock. And <laughs> I thought Slave was going to do it. And then all of a sudden, Thursday morning, like, yeah, Hideki had the withdrawal. And I was like, I, I hope the guy didn't place that. Like, obviously, you get your money back in that situation, but it's, that was just, uh, so Thank hopefully, God gets, I woke up late. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, hopefully, he, uh, he gets better soon and is back. Cameron Smith, our winner, jumps all the way up to second place. Uh, he has 1,354 points. And Scotty Scheffler, another one who really struggled this week, um, sitting in first still with 1,620 points. So that is your FedEx Cup top 10 uh, heading into the Valspar Championship. Yeah, so like you said, next, next up is the Valspar Championship at Palm Harbor, Florida, Copperhead. Um, the defending champ is Sam Burns. Uh, you want to get into some course layout here? Yeah. Um, this is a really beautiful, beautiful course. I mean, all the Florida courses are, um, definitely challenging, but it's also a lot of fun to watch. Uh, so hole one, we sit at a par five, four, 549 yards. Uh, Copperhead opens with a double dogleg par five hole. The placement of the second shot is necessary to set up a birdie opportunity. The green is protected by bunkers short and left. Hole number two is a par four at 399 yards. Water guards the right, but go too far left and the green is blocked by trees. A drive down the right side of the fairway is required to leave an unobstructed second shot to a narrow, elevated green. Hole three, we have a par four sitting at 425 yards. Um... This is a tough par four. Plays even longer as water limits some. Yeah, excuse me. As water limits some drives, too long, accurate shots are required to reach a well bunkered, undulating putting surface. Hole number four is a par three, hundred and eighty-five yards. The wide but shallow green uh, means distance control is the most important factor in the tee shot. It is also well protected by bunkers in the front for those whose tee shots fall short. Hole 5, we have a par 5 sitting at 617 yards. Uh, beautiful tree-lined uphill test ranks among the hardest par 5s on the PGA Tour. 
The tree-lined fairway, elevation, and annual flower bed surrounding the tee make this most photographed hole at Innsbruck. Hole number six is a par four at 444 yards. It's called the Sidewinder, this downhill dogleg right hole where balls can roll left into the trees off the tee has seen more bogeys than any other hole. An accurate tee shot is necessary to leave a long second shot from a sloping lie. Uh, hole 7, we have a par 4, sitting at 410 yards. The easiest, quote-unquote, hole on the front 9 still plays to over a, excuse me, still plays to over par for a field of PGA Tour pros. A straight drive is necessary to leave a clear shot to the green. The shallow sloping green is protected by bunkers. Hole number eight is another par three, this one at 244 yards, where the green at the fourth is shallow but wide. The other front side par three has one that is a deep, and, oh wait, sorry, has a par, par three that has deep and narrow, but the combination of bunkers left and right and trees make the approach very tricky. Hole nine is a par four at 414 yards. Uh, the uphill ninth, well bunkered in the fairway, ranks near the middle of the course in almost every category. Bunkers protect the landing area on either side, and the elevated green makes the second shot play a club longer. Hole number 10 is a par 4 at 439 yards. The 10th has a sloping green with bunkers left and right. A long, accurate tee shot is required into a sloping green, making putting difficult. Bunkers protect the green on both the left and right sides. Hole 11, we have a par 5 sitting at 553 yards. This is called O's Alley. The front bunker increases the difficulty to those trying to get to the hole, or trying to get home in two on the long, narrow par 5. Hole number 12 is a par 4 at 375 yards. The 12th plays just slightly under par, easiest of any par 4. The drive is usually a fairway wood or a long iron played short of the pond, leaving a second shot with a middle to short iron into the small green surrounded by bunkers. Hole 13 is a par 3 at 182 yards. Um, the players that are traumatized from the water this past weekend will not be a fan of this hole. Um, <laughs> with the water, with the only water carry among the par 3s, the 13th is a very challenging and beautiful hole. The pond catches shots short or to the right. The narrow green requires an accurate club selection in order to get the tee shot close. Hole number 14 is a par 5 at 577 yards, a true signature hole called Packard's Double Dog Leg. The 14th has an undulated green protected on the left side by a large bunker. Length and accuracy are called upon for the first and second shots of this difficult and winding par 5. Hole 15 is a par 3, sitting at 192 yards. Uh, this is known as the bite. Uh, number 15 is a downhill par 3 that's difficult to birdie. It offers a picturesque view with a large contoured green that is bunkered on both the right and left sides. Hole 16 is another par 4 at 442 yards, called the moccasin. The 16th is Innisbrook's most intimidating par 4 with water stretching the entire right side. Be bad for you, bud. A well-positioned <laughs> tee shot sets up a long second shot to a wide green. Hole 17 is known as the Rattler. Uh, it's a par 3 at 195 yards. A long par 3 to a very narrow green that opens in the back. 
Number 17 has bunker trees protecting both sides of the hole, making it making birdie a good score. Last number 18, par 4, 425 yards, the copper head. The 18th is beautiful uphill finishing hole. The fairway is protected by a number of bunkers on each side. The putting surface, which slopes back to front, is the most treacherous on the course. Yeah, uh, this is a beautiful course. Um, the last Florida swing course, um, and it definitely doesn't get any easier. Uh, yeah, this is definitely a, another fun tournament to watch. Um, so if you have time, definitely watch this over the weekend. Uh, as always, we get all that information from the PGA Tour app. If you ever want to read that for yourself, that's where we get it. Um, head over there and check that out. Uh, we appreciate them not giving us a book to read like they did last week. Um, <laughs> still threw some big words at us, though, so we'll, we'll get that figured out, though. Um, as always, uh, we are bringing you guys the term of the week and the player profile. Um, so the term of the week this week is the ball drop or drop ball. Uh, when taking relief, whether within a penalty or just a bad lie, you must drop a ball. The ball must be dropped down from knee height and must strike the relief area and stay in the relief area. Um, this, I, I said I was going to, I was saving what I wanted to talk <laughs> about earlier. Um, I didn't have an issue with Daniel Berger really before this weekend. Uh, you know, he blew the lead at, uh, I forget what tournament it was now, but um, like he choked. Okay, that's fine. Shit happens, whatever. Um, yesterday he was finishing, I think it was his 6th, 17th, 16th. He was on the 16th. That's what it was. Um, I don't know what the hell he thought he was doing, but he just shanked it wide right and missed the hole completely. Um, and then was trying to decide where he was going to drop his ball from. He swore that he should have been closer to the green. Uh, everybody else was trying to tell him that, no, like you, you missed the entire fairway. Um, it didn't hit anywhere. It didn't line up anywhere. Like, you need to either drop closer back to where you shot it or something like that. Um, he tried to get... I know Victor Hovland was playing with him. I forget who else was playing with him. But he calling them over, trying to get him, or trying to get them to help. Like, oh, where, oh, where should I drop this? Um, he told him multiple times, like, you can go check the cameras. Um, he just continued to argue with them. Uh, argue with the rules of Fissile, and finally he's like, okay, can I just drop it here? And Hovland looks at him like, I don't fucking give a shit. Like, just drop the ball. Like, I'm tired of, like, arguing this with you. Um, Hovland looks just so uncomfortable in that situation, which I would, too. Like, I don't want you to, like, I don't want to, like, fuck you over, but I also don't want you to cheat. Like, just drop where you think is best. Don't cheat us and cheat everybody else. Like, um, but yeah, Burger is just, it, I officially don't like him. Um, he's, and I, I said this to you, his face always looks like he's a, like holding in like the biggest shit he's ever taken in his life. Like It almost looks like he always has like tears welling up in the bottom of his eyes. And just the strain on his face at every single... like Every time the camera looks at him, it's just like... Um, so yeah, that's all. I, just, I don't like Daniel Berger anymore. Um, not that I had a... I was a fan of him in the first place, but... Um, I mean, it didn't help. Yeah, so all. like... Like you said... uh. It seemed as if uh, Dahman was the one that originally said, "Like, hey, I don't think that's where your ball dropped." Like, yeah, or, in, or where it yeah. crossed the out of bounds, and uh, he was like, and Berger was like complaining back and forth, like you had said. And then Victor Hovland, like you said, <laughs> looks very uncomfortable, and he's asked by the rule official, and he's like, "Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was 
50 yards up there. Like, it, it looked as if it was back here, you know? So then it's two <laughs> against one, which the rules official had said that they didn't have a camera angle on his ball. Mm-hmm. So they have to go off of, like, the gentleman's agreement. And since it was two against one, in that situation, he's supposed to just... Berger's supposed to just drop the ball where the other two dudes say and, like, suck it up and go along, you know? Yeah. The funny part about all that and him causing, like, all his, like, cryberry baby situation there and everything is he ended up finishing one spot behind Victor Hovland which we know how much one putt could cost <laughs> yeah there so like it's really funny that that situation ended up costing him probably I don't know hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollars <laughs> yeah no that is, that is uh that is very funny yeah uh just listen it's been a long weekend enough already we don't need you to sit there and argue it, they were out there for a while too I think it was like running neither over. of them can win yeah <laughs> It was running on damn near five minutes. I was like, bro, just drop the damn ball. Like, I don't want to sit here. Now you're backing everybody else up. Like, I don't want this tournament to go another day. And I really thought, like, we were heading to, like, a, a nine-way tie for first place. I really yeah. thought that. I was like, oh, my God. Like, this tournament's never going to end at this point. And just, like, yeah. the way everything else had gone, I was like, yep, nope. We're, we're going to hit gonna... the simulator for the playoff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, at that point, I was like, dude, just pl- just shut up, please. Just, yeah. just get over it. Move on. So, yeah, that, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, um, I really wish that they would have done more like um, mic'd up situations with him. I think it was the Honda Classic that you were talking about that he he kind of fumbled yeah, the bag. Says, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I really wish that now that, that we got to see how he acted in that situation that they would have kind of pulled his video or his uh, mic up for, for that situation when he was playing with Lowry and Lowry's just playing his ass off and <laughs> Berger's struggling the entire day, you know? Um, yeah. the player profile for this week is they kept saying it's Tom Hoagie. I read it as Hodge the first couple of weeks when he was on the, the uh, list or whatever, but uh, they say it's Hoagie. Uh, he's 31 year old from Statesville, North Carolina. He attended TCU and turned pro in 2011. He has one tour victory, which he captured this year at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro Am, and he's currently ranked number four in the world. I think I saw he has like 18 top 10s in his career, ten, uh, and he's got three in the first three tournaments this year, so I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, he's definitely pretty good. I uh, definitely know Statesville. It's like maybe even, not even an hour from me, um, just up the road. So uh, maybe we'll see him at the tournament we go to this August in his yeah. little hometown. Um, yeah, definitely uh, he, he is interesting to watch. He's I wouldn't say he, like, He's not a super great player. I mean, obviously you're top four in the world, but it's just like he he just hangs around in the tournaments. Like he's never like running away with it or anything like that. Um but I mean he is still really fun to watch. Um yeah, great guy. So yeah, that'll wrap up our episode for this week. Uh Slate has to get to work. I have to get back to work. Um <laughs> had to record this a day late thanks to the uh the tournament running late this weekend. But um we will be back next week to break down the Valspar Championship, um, see if Sam Burns can defend his title. Uh, hopefully the weather's a little more cooperative so we can get in uh, like it, it was It was fun to have, you know, everybody just kind of shit the bed last week, but it, it also is fun to watch everybody go out there and, and play really good golf and see who's the best. Um, and like I said, the final leg of the Florida Tour, um, and it's definitely not an easy one. So uh, go watch that this weekend. Uh, Check out the other podcast, and we will see you guys next week for the next episode of the Bunker Boys.